This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Leonard Carter. If you live in New York, you might have heard his name. And he would be alive right now if New York's governor, Andrew Cuomo, had listened to the thousands of experts and justice advocates who've been begging him to show even a hint of regard for incarcerated people. Now, I know during this pandemic that it's damn near a sin to offer even a mild critique of Andrew Cuomo. But my calling on this planet and the entire reason we built the North Star, the entire reason we built this podcast was to speak truth to power and Cuomo is the power. Let me unpack and explain it. This is Sean King. You are listening to The the, the Breakdown. For most of his time as governor, I mean long before this pandemic, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has had a callous indifference to incarcerated people. And his blatant refusal to use his clemency powers now and throughout all of his terms is but one small bit of proof of this. Now, I dedicate, and my book was actually supposed to come out yesterday, and my heart is still broken that it's not out. It's small potatoes in this pandemic. It's now coming out in August. But I dedicate nearly an entire chapter in my new book to showing how impossibly difficult it's been across the years to try to get Andrew Cuomo to even pass tiny measures for justice reform. He hates them. He's an old school, tough on crime, war on drugs, war on the hood type of Democrat. His father, who was governor before him, was the same way too. And for years, we all knew, New Yorkers all knew, that Cuomo was going to run for president in this current election cycle. He telegraphed it for all New Yorkers and everybody following politics to see. It was obvious. But here in New York, his approval rating and popularity was so low that he regularly polled worse than other leading candidates in his home state. And once it was clear that he likely wouldn't win New York or anywhere else, he quietly bowed out of the running. And at the root of New Yorkers' frustration with Cuomo has always been his complete inaction for justice reform and many other progressive policies. He's a moderate. Now, he does hold good press conferences. And those press conferences in the middle of this pandemic have helped his approval ratings. But his actual policies on so many things are as terrible as ever. In fact, during this pandemic, some of his policies are worse. None more 
than his absolutely cold-hearted approach to incarcerated men and women all over New York while the state has become the epicenter of the coronavirus. Leonard Carter, that's a name that I want you to know. Leonard Carter was one of at least 344 different New Yorkers that had actually been granted parole weeks or even months ago, but was still incarcerated. He had been granted parole, but was still behind bars. Most of them, most of the 344 incarcerated New Yorkers who were granted parole are still behind bars today. Some have been released, but most haven't. Every single activist and justice organization in the city and all over the state have begged Cuomo to release these men and women. We beg Cuomo to release everybody that has less than six months left on their sentence. And Leonard Carter was at the top of that list. And I mean that literally. Actual list of names of people who should have been released from prison to save their lives and to keep them from dying. Those lists were given to Cuomo. Leonard Carter was on all of those lists. He had been granted parole already, for God's sake. Why didn't Cuomo release him? That's the question. Because just two weeks ago, we now know Leonard Carter contracted the coronavirus in jail and died after serving a 30-year sentence. The man was weeks away from serving his term and had already been granted parole. Why did Cuomo not release him? What's the justification for ignoring our pleas for the past month? As other governors who aren't even in the epicenter of the coronavirus, like Andy Bashir in Kentucky, as they use their clemency power and commutation powers to save lives, what New Yorkers know is that Cuomo is just being Cuomo. This is how he always acts toward incarcerated people. He is unbothered. In his press conferences, when he gets pressed on why he's doing so little, he plays dumb or avoids really answering the questions. And I think the root of this is actually much more nefarious. He's a former prosecutor. He literally used to work in the district attorney's office. He doesn't really believe in our reforms. He doesn't really believe in our pleas for help. And he knows damn well. And he knew damn well that people with days or weeks left on their sentences, he knew they would die in New York's jails and prisons if they weren't released. And Leonard is not the only person who died under these exact same circumstances. Cuomo doesn't care. He hasn't been caring. And it just cost Leonard Carter his life. Listen, I'll be right back after the break. On Wednesdays, we always have a Woman Crush Wednesday segment. And I'll be right back after today's segment. I'm Nikki, and I'm the senior writer at The North Star. This week, The North Star's Women Crush Wednesday is author and activist Jamila T. Davis. Jamila was only 25 years old when she was sentenced to nearly 12 years in prison for bank fraud. 
While incarcerated, she wrote the three-book series titled Voices of Consequences Enrichment Series, which is a self-help curriculum to help incarcerated women recapture their dreams once they complete their prison sentences. She didn't stop there. Jamila also produced the book series, The High Price I Had to Pay, which tells the stories of incarcerated women who experience injustices while serving time in prison. The successful series led to the creation of the advocacy group, Women Over Incarcerated, which provides resources for formerly incarcerated women to help them successfully transition back into society. Jamila continues to advocate for women behind bars and to deter at-risk youth from crime. To learn more about Jamila and why we're crushing on her and her work, head on over to at the North Star Media on Instagram to read more about her. Today's episode of The Breakdown is brought to you by BetterHelp. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone session. It's a great service, particularly during this time. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is actually available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And you can visit their website, read all about their testimonials that are posted daily. They are brilliant. You can visit right now, betterhelp.com slash breakdown. That's better, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash breakdown. And join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Right now, if you go to betterhelp.com slash breakdown, you get 10% off of your first month. Check it out, everybody, all right? I love it. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now. I wanted to close today's episode of The Breakdown and talk to you about what I see happening at a rate that is completely explosive in jails all over the country. Now, we thought when jails had 50 or 100 or a few hundred cases, we thought we were seeing something that was going to be explosive. But now there's a jail in Ohio that now has over two thousand cases there's another jail with over a thousand cases we are now nearing 50 deaths in america's jails and prisons and that number is about to get much much worse if state officials particularly america's governors fail to take action and i need to break down and explain for you the power that governors have that mayors don't have particularly around this issue that even district attorneys don't have. If you take the jail in Cook County, Illinois, that's Chicago as an example. Back on March 23rd, just a few weeks ago, two people were incarcerated there that were diagnosed with the coronavirus. And if you go all the way forward to today, uh, last week it was 350 people. Now we think it's nearly 500 people, including staff and inmates, 
making it one of the largest county jails in the country in terms of the coronavirus population. And what we're seeing is exactly what we've been saying on this podcast that we would see, that jails would become an epicenter of the coronavirus. They are the center inside of the center. And if you've been listening to The Breakdown, you already know why the coronavirus presents such a dangerous threat to jails and prisons. Crowded facilities, people constantly constantly cycling in and out, no access to hygiene products, bad sanitation, poor testing, few containment measures. All of these things are perfect ingredients for a viral outbreak that spreads behind bars and eventually back into the community, either through released individuals or the staffers that go home after every shift. In each jail or prison that we see an outbreak happening in, the staff are almost as impacted as those who are incarcerated. And today I want to tell you about a particularly important set of state actors who have the power, the duty even, to address the public health crisis that we now have, of, have on our hands. Governors and state agencies have the authority to alleviate overcrowding and save lives by releasing people who are especially vulnerable to the coronavirus due either to their age or health or who otherwise just don't need to be in prison anyway, like those whose offenses don't even involve harm to another individual or people who are close to completing their sentence. Almost every state constitution gives the governor or a board of pardons the power to grant clemency to incarcerated people in the form of a commutation or a reprieve. The first, a commutation, shortens a sentence, while a reprieve temporarily suspends an incarcerated person's sentence. In 12 states, governors have the unilateral power to grant reprieves. Those 12 states are Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Louisiana, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Dakota, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Washington, and almost all of those have Democratic governors, by the way. Even where commutations and reprieves aren't an option, Authorities can make use of something called furloughs. Now, in Connecticut, the Commissioner of Corrections can allow incarcerated people to leave detention facilities for 45 days at a time for, quote, any compelling reason consistent with rehabilitation. Those compelling reasons can include preventing overcrowding, which is the principal problem incarcerated people face all over the country during this pandemic along with the lack of access to hygiene and supplies needed to combat the contagion. In Illinois, the site of the Cook County jail outbreak, their governor issued an executive order back on Monday, April the 6th, permitting, quote-unquote, medically vulnerable incarcerated people under state correction supervision to leave prison for as long as Illinois remains in a state of emergency. At the time of his order, though, only 62 people and 40 staff members had tested positive, and two inmates had died, but those numbers are growing daily. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf is attempting to follow suit. His administration worked on a bill that would allow people in prison to request release 
if they are at particularly high risk from the coronavirus and within a year of serving their minimum sentence. Those released could go to a halfway house or an approved residence. And the bill would allow individuals who are not considered to be vulnerable but are less than nine months away from serving their minimum sentence to request release. And the program is going to expire 90 days after becoming law. So we need people to take advantage of these opportunities. Failing all else, if governors don't do what they can do, parole boards and correction officials can also step in. The federal prison system, 49 states and the District of Columbia, permit so-called compassionate release, which provides for the release of individuals facing special circumstances. That's a quote like terminal illness, advanced age, sickness, uh, debilitation, or extreme family circumstances. Compassionate release could be used here. But it's critical that governors exercise their authority to release incarcerated people and alleviate overcrowding and that they push corrections officials to use their power to do the same thing. The alternative, which is kind of what we're seeing right now, is seeing our jails and our prisons and our hospitals overwhelmed by the coronavirus as it infects thousands and thousands of incarcerated people, thousands and thousands of corrections staff, and members of their community. The outbreak at Cook County Jail is just the beginning. Nationwide, we already know that we have nearly two and a half million people detained or incarcerated. We have 630,000 people in local jails, nearly one and a half million people in state prisons, 225,000 people in federal prison, and an additional 100,000 plus children in youth facilities. Here's the thing. There are 450,000 Americans who work in correctional facilities across the country and without real action. Their lives are at risk and the lives of incarcerated people are at risk. And Leonard Carter, who we spoke about earlier on this episode, is just one of many who are going to die who should be released. Break it down. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details.